Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we're reviewing the new movie, Bullet Train, starring Brad Pitt and numerous other actors in this. It's based on a book by Kataro Isaka, uh, a short story. So not in a and not an original movie. Um, I mean, original original movie yeah. in the terms that it's not based on a franchise or something, but not an original right. screenplay. It's based off right. of a short story. So we'll talk about that on today's episode of the show in just a little bit. But we do have a lot of news to get to. A lot of things happening in Hollywood this week. First up, the death of Olivia Newton-John at the age of 73 from breast cancer in a ton of movies throughout her career. Grease probably being the most notable one, um, yeah. one of the most notable ones for sure. That's the role you probably remember her for the most. And that's a great movie. And she did a lot of other things throughout her career as well, but unfortunately lost her battle with, with breast cancer at the age of 73. It was very sad, Jared, and people have been saying the nicest things about her on social media, and she was a dame. I thought that was very cool that she had become a dame, um, but anyway, just very sad. I saw that it had it said it had metastasized to her sacrum, and I was like, I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds horrible, um, but she just sounded like a wonderful lady both on and off uh, screen, so we will miss you, Olivia. Yes, we will. So, unfortunately, passing away at the age of, of 73 the other day. So, um, some other news. Lots of the Hollywood news this week. Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson broke up. Um, sure. I d- didn't really care about that relationship to begin with. I feel like Pete Davidson is just bouncing around Hollywood at this point. Yeah. Um, with like, he was with Ariana Grande. I think he was with Cassie David. I think he was with... He was with her for a couple years, though. Yeah. And then they broke up, and I feel like something bad happened there. Yeah, and then yeah. since he's he's bounced around. Yeah, and then uh, Kim Kardashian, that didn't work out. I feel like that was maybe not going to work out in the first place. There's like a big age gap there. I and I feel like Pete is still kind of acting like he's 22, and Kim's yeah. kind of like, I'm at a different point in my life. Like, I have kids. I, you know, want to be in a, like a solid situation instead of like partying and stuff and going crazy. I feel like Pete Davidson still kind of acts younger than he is in a way, if that makes sense. No, it definitely (laughs) does. And I don't know that I thought it was going to go the distance, but you know how we look at Benifer and we're like, oh, Ben and Jennifer, that kind of in the weirdest way makes a lot of sense. I felt like they could have made it, but also like Kim kind of is like a serial divorcer slash slash gets married a lot um mm-hmm. and then yeah i will say kanye is still doing his stupid stuff of threatening p and like there's been deleted tweets and stuff that i've been reading about and somewhat he just like he needs help and he needs taken off social media i mean at this point these are legitimate threats and i don't like pete davidson i don't like kim kardashian i fully don't support the kardashians in any capacity but no one should be threatened like that. And it's weird that it's like blatantly obvious that it's happening and nothing's being done. So that bothers me. Yeah, that is kind of weird that she hasn't like gotten a lawyer or taken police action or anything like that on that situation. So yeah. they broke up, though. They're no longer together. Um, some other news real quick. Keenan Thompson is hosting the Emmys. Congrats to him. I think those That's are next cool. month. Um, I didn't you know, know that. He's worked at NBC like his whole life pretty much i mean other than like keenan and kel he's been on snl mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense it's weird the emmys are weird now because like it used to be all these broadcast tv shows like abc cbs nbc fox yeah. would have a bunch of their shows nominated 
and now everything's like streaming. So it's like it's on a TV, like a broadcast TV network, but a lot of the shows are like Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, Apple. Yeah. So it's I think they're in a weird position, but um, he will be hosting. So I think and those can are I next tell month. you? Yeah. Can I tell you, I had a crush on Kel, and I remember Did it you? vividly. Oh, yeah. I thought Kel was funny and good-looking, and that was all okay. I needed at the time. <laughs> I mean, in in a weird way, that's really all I need now. But when I was like 10 or something, I was like, ooh, Kel. And he Kel. loved orange soda, and I love orange soda. <laughs> there you go. So yeah. sad that didn't work out for you, but I, know, I think me things too. are going okay. So Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Keenan's great, too. I just had yes. a crush on Kel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ezra Miller in the news again. <laughs> We're not going to talk about this very much, but they got charged with felony burglar burglary in Vermont. So rack up like, another criminal happening? charge. How is this still happening? <laughs> we should. Okay, and, this podcast has gone from a Tom Hanks fan club to a James Berardinelli fan club to. Mm, that's mainly it. But now we've moved on to we talk about Ezra Miller every episode because Ezra Miller cannot stop anything. Mm-hmm. They oh, are and it's just making into, uh, bad choices. Who's who's that actor that you hate that we've mentioned a few times? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> um, Recently, though, he was in a Chris few Pratt. movies. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yes. Yeah. It's turned into a Chris Pat Chris Pratt hatred. <gasps> that's, fan right. Club as well. that's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Ezra is doing crazy things. I don't know how they're still like doing all this stuff, but they are. So that was and the thing that happened this jail? week. Don't you go to jail or court for some of this stuff? Like if people are like, this might be a known sex offender. This might be a pedophile. Burglary. I don't understand. Do you go to prison? Do you go to, is there a trial? What happens? I feel like maybe, I feel like they're maybe posting bail, which is maybe how they're not spending time oh. in prison, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm well, sure... if someone, if a lawyer listens to this podcast, please message us because we need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> I have a friend that's a lawyer. I'll ask her what the, I do too. What the situation is. Okay. Yeah. We know but, smart people. Uh, I know, but they, well, we're smart, <laughs> but they, I'm worried they're going to be like, why are you bothering me with this? Like I'm helping this person escape a domestic abuse situation. Yeah. And I'll be like, but can you, in your free time, help me with this Ezra Miller situation? Situation. Explain to me this For the Ezra good Miller of the situation. pod. so i have one uh correction before we move into our recommendations so uh in our last episode on nope i said that the scenes that they filmed at night looked really good um Mm -hmm. i found out this earlier this week they filmed those scenes during the daytime and (gasps) then basically cgi'd it and did stuff with editing to make it look like it was nighttime but apparently you can't use imax cameras at night because it it doesn't show up the cameras just don't work re- really well at night so they filmed oh. that during the day and then made it look like it was nighttime so that was my correction because i had since learned new information that they filmed those scenes during the day so Jared, but they look I was, like they're at night which is cool that's really cool though because i would never have known that i also did not know that about imax cameras but i was I happy either. that you had a correction because i feel like it's always me that's like hey i messed this up my bad. So thank you. Thanks for <laughs> taking one for the team. Yeah. And now we'll move on to our recommendations. Um, I only have one recommend this week. It's a documentary that's on Netflix. It's three parts. I've watched two of the three parts. And that is Wrecked, Woodstock 99, about the Ooh. Woodstock Music Festival that happened in 1999. I recommended another documentary about this. I think it's on HBO. That one came out, I believe, last year. This one on Netflix is better um, just because it's longer and like each 
uh, part is a day of the festival. So it just works a little bit better. It flows a little bit better. It has like a more and it and they're talking to people in this one. They were actually at the festival, like the organizers and some of the artists and people that attended and security guards and all this kind of stuff. So if you don't know about Woodstock 99, they tried to like recapture the magic of the first Woodstock, but things went horribly wrong. They didn't have enough security. They, people were just going crazy. They had a bunch of bands like Corn and Limp Bizkit and Metallica that just really were like aggressive. Um, so <laughs> yes. it didn't, and there was, you know, it didn't go off as they planned, and it was kind of a big disaster. But documentaries on it are interesting. Plus, I just like music and concert documentary things. So that's on Netflix if you wanna wanna check that out. Excellent. Thank you, Jared. I have two books to recommend. It's been a while. Um, I did want to recommend Beautiful Little Fools by Jillian Cantor. You might have seen this all over Instagram. I read it because it is about The Great Gatsby. I think we all know I am obsessed with The Great Gatsby. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And I was in the play last year. Absolutely love it. So I got to play Jordan Baker, who... I have, I just absolutely love her character. Um, this book that Jillian Cantor wrote is all about the perspectives of the women in the story and okay. in the play, which is interesting because I never realized how much we don't get their perspective. We, I think as actors, when we were working through the play, we made a lot of like assumptions or why do we think they do this or, you know, what was F. Scott Fitzgerald thinking when he wrote this? But it's neat that someone actually like put that out there. Um, in the air and she added a character this character is in f scott fitzgerald's original book Catherine, but it's spelled uh-huh. incorrectly if you ask me but um Catherine is myrtle myrtle wilson myrtle's sister and you also hear daisy had a sister as well um all of this is true but it was cool that she made them uh, bigger characters in this book, but it was a beautiful retelling of it. It followed the book very closely, like the sem- some of the same dialogues. The events all happen the way they happened in the book or whatever, except a few things have changed here and there. But I thought it was excellent. It's probably one of my favorite books I've read this year. Again, it's called Beautiful Little Fools, which is a line that Daisy Buchanan says in the play and in the book. And very then nice. the other one, thank you, the other one I want to recommend is called Bonjour Tristesse. It is by Francois Sagan. So this book is very short. Um, it's like, it's I don't know if it's a novella. I always forget the rules for how many pages, but it's less than 150 pages or right around there. Um, my friend Mode, who does listen to the podcast, she is French and très chic, and I absolutely love her. She uh, recommended it to me, so I bought it in French and English, but I would was worried after reading Le Petit Bronze, I was worried it would take me too long to read this in French. So I went ahead and read it in English, and then I'm going to go back someday and read it in French. Um, but it is a very, very popular book in France. Um, it is depressing, but what I have learned about a lot of French uh, literature and stuff is it is often more realistic uh, about life and stuff, so they don't really shy away from suicide and death and all sorts of triggering things, Um, whereas Americans are more like happy ending kind of situations, which I like uh, myself. But the book was really good. And if you're looking for a classic, it is considered a classic. And if you are a Francophile such as myself, you might enjoy it. Very nice. And thank you, Mode, for the recommendation. When I went to France back in college, I kind of got that vibe that they were just much Mm. more realistic. Like, you know, not everything is amazing and great and happy and awesome no. all the time. So, um, but not. I'm excited for your trip because I think you'll Thank have a lot you. of fun. So, okay. We'll talk about Bullet Train now, which takes place in Japan. 
Um, so not in France, different country. We've never been mm-hmm, to Japan, mm-hmm. neither of us. Me either. Uh, so nope. it'd be cool to go someday, but we haven't made it there yet. So yeah. Um, this movie was released on August fifth, rated R for pervasive language, brief sexuality, and strong and bloody violence. I would say if there's anything in this movie. Uh, violence would be the biggest thing. Indeed. There is a ton of yes. violence in this movie. People die all sorts of ways. You see all kinds of things. So if you don't like the violence, I would say maybe pass on on the old bullet train. Uh, two hours and six or seven minutes, depending on what site you look at. It's a little closer, at least. I've it's just started like a- putting, not even where <laughs> I'm finding that, I'm just putting like, it's this or this. It's a toss up at this point. I mean, a minute is not bad. It's when it's like 10 minutes difference or 12 minutes difference that you're like, how are you getting those numbers? So IMDb is a uh, 7.5 out of 10. And then Rotten Tomatoes critics, 54%. Audience, 77%. Critics are not liking this movie at all. So no, very interesting there. And box office wise, it's made $37 million domestically, $65 million worldwide. So not a ton of money, but a decent amount. It was the number one movie this past weekend, as you would expect something with Brad Pitt in the lead role to be probably at the box office. So, and if you don't know the synopsis, five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out all their missions have something in common. So, we'll talk about how those storylines intersect later in the episode when we get into our spoilers. First up, we have some critics' reviews. First is James Berardinelli. Of Real Views, who says, there's a time and a place for mayhem, and that's essentially what Bullet Train is. Two hours of fights, carnage, and witty repartee. Mm, I would thank agree. Thank you, James. We've been missing you, so it was nice to have him on here again. Yeah, yep, good that he, he got back to the theaters and saw some stuff. So, next up is Peter Travers of ABC News, who says, Brad Pitt's laid-back movie star magnetism is a joy forever. Too bad that this action-heavy, incoherently edited Japanese choo-choo he's riding goes too quickly off rails from exhilarating to downright exhausting. I think I agree with Peter a little bit there. I'll give more of my Ooh. thoughts later. but Yeah, gonna... I have a lot of thoughts, but there. if you guys want a good laugh, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, some of the critics <laughs> rip this apart. I, I vehemently disagree with them, so I didn't include their commentary, but some of them, like... They were brutal. They did not spare anyone's feelings. So, and then finally, we have Johnny Olinsky. Olinsky? Oles? I think it's Olasinki. Olasinki. Yeah. Okay. Olesinki. But what do I know? Yeah. Johnny Olasinki, who says Bullet Train is a fun flick to be sure, reminiscent of director Guy Ritchie's better crime comedies such as The Gentleman with Hugh Grant. But as the title suggests, it's louder and faster. I think Johnny's just a Hugh Grant fan. He just was like, I want to. Well, go watch this Hugh Grant movie. That's better. Yeah. So yeah. I have not seen The Gentleman. I know it's on Netflix right now. Um, I've oh, it is? Been, yeah, I've been meaning to watch it, but I have not watched it because somebody else told me it was good. Not Johnny, but somebody else I know <laughs> said it was a good movie. So I was meaning to watch it, but I haven't done that yet. So this movie, Bullet Train, is directed by David Light, I think, or Lech. I think it's, I thought it was Leech, but I could be wrong. Okay, Leech. It might be Leech. I think Leech. it's Leech. Yeah. Okay. Because there's the E we before should the know. I. Yeah, well, I think it's Leech. Okay, but David Darren, Leech. get ready. I don't know if you knew the fun fact, but I threw one in here, so get excited. <laughs> um, and David Leach has directed a lot of action movies that you've seen recently, including John Wick. Um, he also was uncredited on Atomic Blonde and Deadpool Two. 
and Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, next Sorry, up, he will direct he... The Fall Guy. My oh, bad. Sorry. Yes. He was uncredited on John Wick, which I don't even understand what that means because- Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know how that happens, though. I, I'm I'm really unclear, but at least on IMDb, it said John Wick, he was uncredited as the director. Okay. So the other yeah. ones he did direct, Atomic yes, Blonde, Deadpool correct. 2, and Hobbs and Sorry Shaw. Sorry about that. So, yes. That's okay. And next up, he will direct The Fall Guy. I know there's also an Atomic Blonde 2 in the works that I think he's mm. going to direct as well that's still in very early stages, but I think Charlize is coming back for, for that one. Um, yeah. And fun fact, he was Brad Pitt's, a Brad Pitt stunt double from Fight Club all the way up to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. What? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I thought that was that's a lie. Crazy. I Arjun told it to me. And I was like, no, give me your source material. And I went to go look, and it's absolutely true. And he said he was worried that the switch, like going from being a stunt double to director, was going to be hard, especially working with Brad, who he'd worked with before. But he said it was a relatively easy transition. So they mm. did really well. But when you look at them, I I guess I can see some similarities. Um, but I think more when you're a stunt double, they look more for your build than your eye color and hair and stuff. Plus yeah, because they, they can fix all of those things. Yeah, yeah, they can always do that in like wardrobe and makeup and hairstyling. Yeah. So, yeah, I have uh, another movie I have not seen, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So never watch that. Well, that movie <laughs> that was on as... my that movie's that on was... my poop list, Jared, because okay. that is where their affair started. Yeah, that wasn't as big of a gasp as I've gotten for some other movies when I throw them out that I haven't watched. Them, no, so not at all. That I, makes I thought me it was think like... I don't need to watch it. I well, I got really upset because it's like a super sexy movie. Like mm-hmm. I want to love it because they're beautiful people, and I love Brad Pitt. But I know what happened on the set of that film, and I can't get around it. It just bothers me so much. <laughs> like I'll never. I I want people to know that I actually wanted this to come out during this episode too because my love for Brad Pitt is so strong. But please do not mistake me. I will never fully be okay with the fact that he cheated on Jennifer Aniston and especially for Angelina Jolie. It's just like, I wouldn't do it myself. I mean, I, I obviously am all for brunettes as I am mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really disappointed in that move. So I think, he, I think everyone has moved on and everyone's okay, but who would do that to Jen? Why? I know. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. So whatever. Okay. We'll uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about Brad Pitt. We'll talk a lot about Brad Pitt, honestly. If you Yay. like Brad Pitt, get ready. Uh, also, we'll we'll discuss our likes and dislikes for Bullet Train when we come back here on the show. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about the new movie Bullet Train, starring in the lead role, Brad Pitt. Thank you, Jared. I specifically asked Jared for 855 crush alerts. Uh, Brad Pitt plays Ladybug in this movie. He is best known for Ad Astra, Moneyball, Fight Club, Inglorious Bastards, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen, Seven, Meet Joe Black, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He is also a very respected producer with his production company Plan B. Uh, together with all of those jobs that he's had, he's been nominated for seven Academy Awards. And in 2014, he won for producing Twelve Years of Slave because it won Best Picture. And in 2020, he won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think we all know how much I am crazy about that movie. I actually almost watched it today. (laughs) Um, But this man never slows down. I could not believe uh, my eyes when I looked at, like, upcoming things. 
So next up, he's produced two huge anticipated movies coming out like later this year. Blonde, that's going to be on Netflix about Marilyn Monroe, and She Said, which Carrie Mulligan's in and Zoe Kazan. I'm so excited for that. Um, and an untitled Chris Cornell documentary for all of you who were fans of Chris Cornell, wonderful musician, um, sadly died uh, very young. Also, he's going to act in Babylon, and he has an untitled George Clooney and John Watts project that he will be... It looked like acting, and it was under the acting category. So he has plenty going on right now. Yeah, I'm very excited for uh, Babylon, Damien Chazelle. What's that about? Oh, that's that one. Um, Oh, my gosh. Me too. Yeah. It's going to be about Hollywood's golden age. Margot Robbie's in it. So, Oh, my gosh. I think it'll be good. I did, though, uh, think it would be confusing <laughs> if you had to recite all of your films, like if I was Brad Pitt, because he was also in Babel. And so then you'd have to be like, I yes, was in Babel, was. like the Tower of Babel, but also Babylon. Like, that's a lot. Like, I think people would get confused. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on to Joey King. She plays Prince in this film. Uh, she's been acting since she was four. She is best known for The Kissing Booth 1, 2, and 3. They're Netflix movies. Hugely popular from what I hear, but I haven't watched them. The Conjuring and the TV series The Act, which is truly one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Uh, Next up, you can see her in Camp, Hamster and Gretel, and Uglies. Hamster and Gretel is going to be awful. I just know it. I just know it. Is that, yeah, I mean, it's called Hamster and Gretel. I, I just didn't want people to think I don't know how to say the word Hansel. Like, it was not. It's <laughs> it's Hamster. Um, then lastly, Jared, I think you can probably guess why I picked to, to cover this person, but I don't want to give spoilers yet. But next we have Brian Tyree Henry. He plays Lemon in the film. He originally starred in the Book of Mormon on Broadway. I find that fascinating. He is a multi-talented actor. Um, You could have also seen him in If Beale Street Could Talk, Widows, Hotel Artemis, or heard him in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He has many upcoming projects listed, including his role in the show Housebroken, and movies like Causeway, The Magician's Elephant, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Very nice. And this movie hasn't, thank you, this movie has an all-star cast. Get ready because this list is a little bit long. Supporting cast also includes Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sanada, Michael Shannon, Bad Bunny. Yes, you did hear that right, Bad Bunny. Logan Lerman, Zazie Beetz, Karen Fukuhara, and Sandra Bullock. Very stacked cast. cast for uh, Bullet Train. Yes, yes, yeah. lots of people in this movie. So... Um, now on to our likes uh, for Bullet Train. First up would be Brad Pitt. I don't think this movie works if Brad Pitt is not in the lead role. From the minute this movie yep. starts, he's likable. He's funny. You connect with him. You get this He's His character is kind of this older guy that doesn't want to really do these really dangerous jobs anymore. So he takes on these what are supposed to be easy jobs to complete. Um, and that's just kind of what he wants to do with his life. But I think that's like very relatable. And I like that, you know, it's an action movie, but it's an action movie with a guy that's getting older in, in the lead role. Yes, I like that, too. Um, I don't think Brad Pitt is ever going to be hurting for roles or anything, especially with his looks. Even if he is getting older, he looks better than almost every man in America that's his age. Um, but... He, I completely agree with you. I don't think exactly what you said about, I don't think the film would work if he wasn't in the lead role. 
He really carries this film. I think the supporting cast is fantastic. Uh, and I quite liked the film, but I think Brad Pitt really elevated it. Again, it's kind of like what we were talking about um, with The Gray Man. If you have good actors at the helm, it really can kind of heighten the entire experience of the movie. And I also like that he was big on, like, he doesn't give a ton about his history in the film, but he doesn't really want to be overly violent. He doesn't want to use guns anymore. He doesn't really want to kill. He's all about being peaceful. He's not really a pacifist, but he's definitely trying to, like, curb his language and be calmer and talk through things rather than use violence. So I applaud that choice. Another like for me for this movie was I thought this movie was really funny. I was the only one that was like laughing in my theater, but I thought this script was really good. Oh my gosh. Like in terms of jokes. Yeah, I did too. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I really, I kind of had, I was pretty uneasy going into this film. I knew I would like it because I like Brad Pitt so much. I thought, well, if nothing else, I can stare at him for two hours and six or seven minutes. But he, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be good. And I agree with you, Jared. I found it way more funny than I expected it to be. And I really liked the script. I was laughing out loud and other people were too, but there was hardly anyone in the theater when I went to go see it. I went at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Oh, so it was me and a bunch great. of old people. So uh, nice. that's about nice. it. Yeah. Yep. So um, uh, also Aaron Taylor Johnson is good in this. I really liked the the lemon and tangerine characters, him and Brian Tyree yes. Henry. I thought they worked very well as like a little duo. Um, but Aaron Taylor Johnson is not somebody that I think is known for his acting prowess. But in this movie was pretty was pretty solid, honestly. Yes, agreed. I am not a big fan of Aaron Taylor Johnson at all. Um, he doesn't do it for me. I think he's strange and. I, I respect that he married an older woman, um, but that whole dynamic really freaks me out. Like the the two of them specifically, not not in general, people marrying people outside of the the acceptable age range, if you will. Um, but I've never liked him in anything, and I really thought he did a great job in this. Um, he looked very handsome. I think he's like a classically handsome person um and i thought his acting was good and he added a lot with his character along with brian's character lemon also we should mention that we're probably going to get into spoilers here in a few minutes so if you haven't seen bullet train go see it and then maybe come back it's going to be hard to talk about some of the story things in this movie without spoiling it so watch the movie and then and then come back so um another like is that it's kind of cool how it all takes place on a train. You don't see a lot of movies nowadays that are all in one location. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of some, like um, Kenneth Branagh movies like Murder on the Orient Express. On the Orient Ex- which yeah. is a train yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah. And like Death on the Nile, I think. I haven't seen that one, but I think that takes place yep. mostly on a boat. Um, Things like Clue. Clue is in a house. Um, Rocky Horror Picture Show is in a house. Yeah, Um, But yeah, you don't see a lot of like modern day movies, but that's one of my favorite. I know we've talked about it on this podcast before, but that's one of my favorite things. I think that is such a clever device in books and movies and plays. I mean, a lot of plays that happens because it's easier for sets and stuff to have one set. But I think it is so remarkable when people can keep you entertained in a film or in a book and it's all in one location and i also like that this was a bullet train we at least in america are not as used to that i don't even think we're really used to trains in the way europeans and stuff are but it's cool a bullet train is so much faster and so almost unusual because we don't have that method of transportation here just to work uh tom hanks into this episode uh Do it. i can think of two movies where he's done that castaway and then yep. captain phillips 
both take place in like one ah! location. Yeah. So yes. Um, another. I think oh, every time someone mentions Captain Phillips, <laughs> someone has to say, "I'm the captain now." I'm the captain now. So. Yeah. I showed that movie to Allison a few months ago, and she was like, that was yeah. good, but stressful. Like, yep, that's... It, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. I feel like that movie for me was a one-time watch. Okay, okay. I think I've watched yeah. it four or five times now. I love that movie, but I'm a big Dang. Captain Phillips well, stan. So. I've done that with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Um, another like for this movie is it's got a good soundtrack. There's a lot of uh, music that they use while they're on the train, moving between cars mm-hmm. and things like that. And the soundtrack is... It fits the the kind of look and aesthetic they're going for, but also helps with the pacing of the movie as well. It's a lot of upbeat, fun songs. And the music is good in this movie as well. They use a lot of uh, just fast-paced music for the fight scenes and things, which makes sense. Well, and then they do the main song that you hear at the very beginning, and it's also in the trailer for the film, is Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. And that kind of, I feel like that time period really set the tone for, that makes sense with Brad Pitt with his age and everything. And just kind of his like vibe, I guess that's in the movie. If we're if we're using the word vibe, uh, another like for this was it all. It looked very coherent in terms of the colors and the outfits and everything. Um, a lot of the characters in the movie don't change clothes because they're on the train the whole time. So there are a few instances where they will put on a different outfit or something like that. Or like Brad Pitt at one point loses his jacket he has on and he's just wearing his, you know, button up shirt or what. So they do things to like kind of switch it up a little bit. But for the most part, everybody's in the same outfit. But I thought the outfits they picked out were good. It was easy to they all looked different, which I think helped like identifying the characters and stuff, especially yeah. for actors maybe that you don't know. Um they made sure they each one of them had like a different look. Yes, agreed cuz uh Joey King had this almost like retro very feminine. It was like a masculine feminine look. All pink, very schoolgirlish, trying to make her look a lot younger than she is, which kind of aided what her character was trying to get across. Um lemon and uh clementine, tangerine. Nectarine. Tangerine. Tangerine. <laughs> Thank you. T- we're just naming fruit on here that's that's this episode but anyway they both had like a really fun like they had like fun cockney accents and then were like dressed up they wanted to look more professional like they were businessmen um and then brad pitt never changes in the entire film he has a jacket and then a white t-shirt underneath it and a bucket hat um i love that for him i thought he looked great uh, but it was I was really disgusted by the white T-shirt that was no longer white by the end because it was so covered. Sorry, it was so covered in like blood and dirt and was just disgusting. I wanted to help get him a new shirt. Yeah, it reminds me of Ryan Gosling in Drive where he wears that jacket the whole yes. movie. And by the end, it's just yes. like covered in blood and dirt and mud and everything else. So, yeah, right, right. Um, another, well, like that you had, but this was actually maybe a dislike for me is the plot made total sense to you. I feel like I was confused sometimes about who was doing what or like how people connected, but it doesn't seem like that was an issue Mm -hmm. for you. I thought they did a good job of it, but maybe I might've missed a lot of it. Like I thought that they would bring up a character, like say it was bad bunny's character, the wolf. Mm -hmm. And then they would show like what happened in his past to impact him now. And, you know, he was going to get, he was going after the person that like killed his family. 
for example. And then they would, like, the water bottle, that became a character at the end. But they explained, like, what had happened to the water bottle that led it up to this moment. Um, so I thought they did a good job. They said, like, Prince, uh, Zoe's, sorry, Joey. I keep wanting to say Zoe King. Um Joey's character, they gave her background and stuff. I thought they did a really good job and they inserted their background and what their motivation was as it was happening. And I thought that was interesting. And But at the same time, it's not always good if the plot is easy to understand because in a way that might also make it sound like it's not very thought-provoking or anything. But I enjoyed it and I found it easy to understand. And I think mainly you just know uh, at the very beginning, that all of these people are here to kill somebody. They're all paid assassins. They're all bad, really. Yeah, I think for me, the part that I... Like, I understood what Brad Pitt was doing, what Women in Tangerine were doing. I think Joey King's character is where I got a little confused. And then mm. the white death, okay. I was just kind of like, okay, what? Because it seems like everybody's just going to die anyway. So, like, what does he yeah. have to do with it? And then Bad Bunny's character, once they explained that, I kind of understood how that how that connected back to the white death basically because yes. everything connects back to that character so yes it, it, i think just joey king's character maybe i couldn't understand why what she was doing and then like that one character i forget his name that was on the train but he had this his son in the hospital and then yeah his his dad comes later in the movie to like save him basically um yeah. that character was also confusing to me in terms of like what his motivations were so maybe i just didn't pay oh. attention as well as i should have well, I know, I do think, Joey, I think you're right that that was hard to understand, but at the end you realize that her mm -hmm. brother, I mean, these are spoilers, everybody, her yeah. brother has been killed, but she was jealous of him because their dad always gave him attention, their dad is the white death, she wanted to kill her dad because he was a horrible father, and I don't know if they were Russian, I would say that was something that was confusing to me, is I couldn't tell, her accent seemed Russian at the end, it didn't leading up to that, it was English, Um but then I also, uh, the, the gentleman whose son, his son was pushed off a roof yeah, by Joey yep. King's character. And then she did that to get his attention, I think, because she knew that his dad was somehow connected to the White Death, like could get, okay. could get him involved. I could be wrong about that. I just know that um, the man wanted to go kill, he wanted to go find and kill whoever hurt his son, and then... His father got involved because he wanted to protect his son, and he was upset that his grandson was in the hospital and pushed off a roof. Okay. So, you know, easy, I don't know if I easy stuff to follow. Any of that. I know, but I can see it in my mind, and I saw it a couple <laughs> days ago, and I'm remembering it very clearly. And I just saw it last night, maybe so you think clear. I would remember it, well, but... Well, you know what? But that this helps, because this is probably impacting how we feel about this movie, and I think we do feel differently about it. Uh, final... I think... Oh, go ahead. I think the last, sorry, the other thing I wrote that was with it, I think explains it better is I just liked how all the storylines tied together. I thought mm -hmm. they, I thought they were explained and they fit together well. I didn't think there was a character that was just singled out on their own that I was like, what are you doing here? So I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah, that, that part did make sense how it was all like going back to the white death. It was just yeah. how all those characters connected to that. That was like confusing for me. So yes, yes um, fair. Another like for this movie is it is paced well. It's just a little over two hours, but stuff's happening the entire time. I like how when the movie starts, we basically get a scene. Brad Pitt's walking through the streets of Japan, then is on the phone with Sandra Bullock, goes into the train station and gets on the train. Like that is like the first in the first three minutes of the movie. He's on the train, which like if your movie's called Bullet Train, well, I guess like the first 10 minutes because there's that opening scene 
Um, and then, yeah. but once we're introduced to Brad Pitt's character, like we're we're moving with the plot. So I like how it was just like two quick scenes, and then we were already on the train, and like we had we had started. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with you. I thought the pacing of the movie was good. There were a couple things that I I read people said where they were like this dragged on and this did this. I didn't feel that quite as much. Um, I'm sure there's things they could have cut. But because it was exciting, because there was a lot of action and stuff, it didn't feel as drawn out to me as some of the other movies we've seen this year that I can easily say felt like they were dragging on for three hours. And I don't know realistically how much you could cut because you have so many characters and so many storylines that I feel like you have to give them all equal time. So, um, okay. So now we'll move on to dislikes now. Um, we have a dislike for a few of the main actors, two that I did not like in this movie were, uh, Zazie Beetz character. I just thought she was just like, it was just her doing the same joke over and over again for the three minutes that she was in the movie. And then Michael Shannon, I really didn't like his acting in the, and normally he's pretty good, but I didn't like his acting as the white death. I thought his, he was like slipping in and out of his accent. And I don't know why he was like, he's not Japanese. Or Russian, so I don't he know. He sounded Russian. Yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand. But he was wearing like almost more Japanese-style clothing, so I didn't understand mm-hmm. really that decision or the decision to cast him as that character. Yes, I agree with you, Jared. I was upset about that because I thought Michael Shannon is a good actor. He freaks me out in everything. I've never liked him, but he's a great actor, and I recognize that. But I was like, why is this role not played by anyone who's Japanese or Asian? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. why is this a white man that's in control of everything? I don't get it. And I thought, well, that that's like Hollywood at its finest, putting a white man in an Asian, predominantly Asian film or whatever culture I didn't like that at all. And I agree with you. I thought his acting was really bad. And the the, um, voice was really inconsistent. The accent was really inconsistent, which is kind of like Tom Hanks in uh, Elvis. Mm -hmm. How we've come to know him as such a a superior actor, but he was bizarre in that role. And I felt the same way about Michael Shannon in this. Yeah. So that was was a dislike for me. And then you didn't like uh, Joey King's acting in this, correct? I just don't like her um, in general. Again, I don't want to trick. I don't want to like set anybody off, but I don't. Her and Aaron Taylor Johnson. I'm just kind of like I. I get the heebie-jeebies from them. I do think Joey King. Part of it comes from her character in the act. Like she was so good. At, I don't know if you saw that. Did you see? I it? did not. No. Okay. If you saw it, I think you would easily understand why I'm so bothered by her. Okay. Like she was so good in that role. It was creepy, and that role was creepy. And in real life, it happened, and that's creepy. Um, I won't get into that, but obviously some people listening will know what I'm talking about. But I just don't love her a lot. And I thought that I felt like she was like, yay, I get to be this evil villain who's a girl and I get to look cute, but also be evil. And that's fun. I'm saying that because I identify with that. If I got to play that role, I would probably behave the same way. Um, And then Aaron Taylor Johnson, I've never been impressed with him. I only liked him in this film. So I just kind of wasn't excited about seeing them. But I thought uh, for the roles they had to play, I think they did a good job. I agree with you on Zazie Beetz. I don't remember her from many things. I think I've seen her in two other things. But I hated her, like, her um, profanity-laced Yeah, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it it didn't. And I felt like that entire scene could have been cut. Except she was kind of... a big villain big part of the story yeah i think that's why they didn't cut it they may have who knows they may have cut it down it may have been a 10 minute scene 
originally oh and it was three minutes when we saw it but yeah that was weird and yeah this movie doesn't have a lot it has profanity and parts but i feel like they use it more for a humor aspect so for her character to just uh-huh. like keep saying the b word over and over again like after every sentence i just didn't yeah didn't understand it so um another dislike is this movie really relies on just like the fact that these characters are invincible this happens a lot of times in the movie aaron taylor johnson one time is on the outside of the train and basically survives this train speeding along and like climbs back up through the top he's not it's not even that he gets on like a train platform jumps onto a speed a bullet train is going like what 90 miles an hour jumps on it gets on it doesn't die hangs on for minutes minutes there's no way and he was on the slanted part not like a flat roof like james bond would be slanted bullet train that is so ridiculous no part of me believes that. And there was a lot, there was a lot of that in this film where I was like, this would never happen. People would never survive this. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like Brad Pitt gets bitten by a snake, but because he already has anti-venom, he's good. There's other scenes where- That was like, funny that, Yeah. Because he said, you're not going to believe this, but I've actually <laughs> had a dose of anti-venom today. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I think I'm good. Okay. So uh, I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this movie also just like for me is it got outrageous near the end. I was fine with like the action up to a point, but then we get to the climax and like, uh, Mike, uh, Brian Tyree Henry's character decides he's going to drive the train, which is fine. But like, then it's like going off the tracks and then it like destroys itself. And then every character's flying through the air. And it's like, this was all kind of contained into this train for like 90% of this movie. And then the last. 15 20 minutes it just goes completely ballistic which i didn't didn't think fit with the rest of the story you know what i feel like too i think it's uh it's kind of a stylistic choice because it did remind me um other critics had said something like this it did remind me in a way of quentin tarantino movies but also guy ritchie movies like stylistically and i feel like they just thought this would never happen in real life anyway so let's just go crazy but Part of that, I agree with you at the end, it kind of lost me a little bit because I was like, this is a bit too stupid. Like, too, um, not stupid as in dumb, just like impossible. This wouldn't happen. Yeah. And another uh, dislike is I can suspend disbelief a little bit, but the fact that like nobody right. on this train realized any of this was going on. Now, you do find out later in the movie, the White Death, like at a certain point, has bought all the tickets. So there's, because at one point you're like, there's nobody left on this train except I know. these people. I was like, why yeah. is. Why is there not a single conductor? Why is no one concerned about the bullets that are constantly being shot? The multiple people being murdered? A snake? Like, why? Where is everybody? I know. I agree. So, uh, but earlier in the movie, I was like, why is nobody recognizing what's going on? Right. Like, nobody's saying right. any. That door, two doors of the train fly off at one point. Everybody's like, yeah, that's just another random Monday here in Japan. So, um, yeah, that was. That was a little wild near the end there. So, um, and then we got to talk about Sandra Bullock's in this movie for about three minutes, but her hairstyle, I don't know what she's going for. What was that? And I think Sandra Bullock is so beautiful and I love her. She, she had a bigger role, but you only hear her voice for a lot of it because she's like the handler for Brad Pitt, but you see her at the end, which I figured you would see her at some point, but her hair looked terrible to the point where i was distracted and almost not paying attention to what she said because i just kept thinking like what's happening to her hair and it was we'll try i'm gonna try to remember to get a picture (laughs) to post it when we post about the movie on social media 
so that people can see. And it was weird too, because like the rest of the characters in the movie had kind of this rugged look to them, and then she shows up and she's like got tons of makeup on and is almost kind of like glowing and it just doesn't like fit with the rest of the characters in the movie so um and also a little bit of a bait and switch there with sandra bullock is she's featured in the second trailer so you think maybe she's going to have a bigger role in this movie but if you're a sandra bullock fan you're not going to see her a lot in this movie because she is just doing like katie said the voice part for for most of the film so like his being his handler so I already have a picture, so oh, I'll boy. save that for okay. the posting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another dislike is that you had is you don't want Brad Pitt to get stuck in movies like this. Basically, these action kind of you want him to kind of keep doing things like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or things that show off his acting ability maybe a little bit more. Well, because uh, this is a spoiler, but I think we all know how I feel about Ryan Reynolds, but you see him for a hot second in this movie, and I, I lost it. I almost walked out of the theater. I was like, <laughs> no, no. and But it's okay. I, I calmed down. Um, but I was really upset. But Ryan Reynolds, why did I bring that up just now? Oh, okay. So some people, I think, can get typecast, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds, where they're like, they can do one thing and they do it really well. Or they don't do it well, but we're going to keep putting him in one thing, a.k.a. Ryan Reynolds. So I don't think that's going to happen to Brad Pitt, but I... Uh, I was more, it was more his character, the way his character did things. Like, I know Brad Pitt was acting, but I do think that that kind of, like, surfer, funny, laid-back attitude is very Brad Pitt from what I've heard in many interviews and stuff like that. So I don't want him to get keep getting cast in roles like this when he is such a talented actor in movies like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Inglorious Bastards and other things we've seen him in. So I just don't want this to be like the thing he does for the third act of his career. I did like the uh, Channing Tatum cameo, though. That was funny. Um, I did, too. (laughs) And it was funny that he's I mean, they're alluding to the fact that he might be gay and he's just looking for like a quick romp on the train with some hot guy. That was hysterical. And I thought it was funny, too, that earlier in the year we had uh, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock act in The Lost City, which Brad Pitt has like a little cameo in that. And in Brad Pitt's yes. movie, Channing Tatum has a cameo. Oh, so. I forgot. I did. Now, I don't remember where this was, but I did watch an interview and it happened to be that uh, because Brad Pitt did the cameo in The Lost City. That's yes. What it's called, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, he asked Sandra if she would. I think that's how they all got in the movie together in Bullet Train because I think he was doing it at the same time. OK. And so he was like, come on. And I do think that that's the case. I'm not even going to look that up. Just believe it's. <laughs> Uh, final dislike before we move on to our score is we already mentioned this a little bit, but this movie is very violent. If you don't like that, I would steer clear of this. People die in all sorts of ways and uh, situations, and you see a lot of chopping off of heads, swords through various uh, body graphic. parts. Yeah, all kinds it of stuff. It was like, that's why I thought of Quentin Tarantino, honestly. I was like, this is so graphic. And then they even say brief uh, sexuality. Like, you straight up see people having sex like yeah. at one point in a bathroom i mean it's for it's for a second but it would make me uncomfortable if a child was in the room or my parents were in the room um and then and the language did get a little excessive at points i mean just like i i to me this was a hard r yeah yep for sure yeah so okay yeah. time to give our grades for bullet train and our scores <sighs> for this week um, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna rate this a. What am I gonna rate this? A 73. I, I liked it. Okay. I didn't love it. 
Um, okay. I didn't think it was amazing. I gave it three and a half on Letterboxd out of five. So I think a 70, 73 is a good grade for this. I, there were parts I enjoyed. It was funnier than I thought it was going to be. I thought the action sequences were really cool. We didn't talk about that a lot, but the combat and everything yeah. in this movie was really well done. Um, but just some of the story things fell apart for me. And then some of the acting uh, stuff and near the end, it just goes, it just kind of, I think, loses its focus a little bit. So, Did you say 73? Yeah, 73. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure because I keep track, you know. Um, okay. I'm going to give this movie, I really liked this uh, like a lot. It really surprised me. I know it's not going to be my favorite movie of the year. So in, I'm trying to be better about my scoring so I don't regret everything. So I'm going to give it a 79. Okay. I thought it was really quite good. It's not going to win any Oscars. But as far as like summer blockbusters that have really blown my mind, Top Gun Maverick and this are the two okay. like, that have really left an impression on me and made me like, I've really thought about them a lot. Like I really liked Elvis. I liked the gray man, but these two had me like really thinking for a while. Um, and in, I enjoyed them a lot. So 79 for me. Cool. Those are our scores for Bullet Train, and you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us there. Our Letterboxd profiles are in the show description, so if you scroll down and open up that little box that has the show notes in it, you can click right there and follow us on Letterboxd. And then next week, we're reviewing a new movie that's on Hulu that is starring Emma Thompson. It's called Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. It's getting... Katie's watched it. It's gotten great reviews. Yes. Could be a contender for award season coming up. So uh, we'll be reviewing that next week here on the show. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.